Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep. And on today's episode, Gabe, Giannis, and I, we're back on the mic. We're talking about fitness. We're talking about nutrition. We're talking about my favorite memorabilia. I happen to be in my office where I had a few different things. Find out what my favorite piece of memorabilia is. We also talk about this idea of be, do, have. And I love what Gabe talked about with this. Um, you know what you want to be. Now you got to go do, and then you'll have. And we talk more about this and this idea of not putting the cart before the horse, putting in the hard work and kind of lessons that we've learned along our journeys as you know husbands and mine so far as a father. I know Gabe is about to have a baby, which is awesome. And then obviously in our fitness journeys. And so, you know, I just hope you're enjoying these episodes. You know, Gabe and I, we got on the mic. We talk a lot about nutrition in this one as well. Gym owners, let us know what you're thinking. Coaches, let us know what you're thinking. And athletes, keep crushing our workouts. I hope you guys enjoy them. Hope you enjoy the Coffee Clippers on Mondays. Hope you enjoy these. Got some more guest episodes that will be coming up down the pipeline. And I hope you guys keep crushing it. Have a great week. See you again next week. Let's go. We're officially recording. I have a different background. I uh, I switched it up. I want to change it up a little bit on you, uh, Gabe. So for those of you who are watching this on video, you'll see a little bit of a background. Behind me, I have a Team USA shirt. Um, a cool thing I got from uh, Malaysia and, um, and, uh, uh, a kind of a picture from a trip I did in Kenya and, um, a, a run we did. So I could talk a little bit more about that, but for those who are curious, the team USA was from team 2014. That was, uh, a competition I did for CrossFit. Super, super fun. And Malaysia was one of the grand opening we did with, uh, one of our Western digital locations globally. So a lot of cool memories I put up in the office sometimes remind me of kind of where we went and where we want to go. So good morning, Gabe. Are you a big, um, good morning, first of all, are you like a big, like, like, I, I don't know what, if it would be like a stuffed person, but like, do you like holding on to a lot of stuff that has like symbolism to you or whatever? I mean, obviously the, the USA Jersey, those are big deals, but do you tend to like want to keep stuff around? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm looking around this office right now. I have a couple things from Team USA when I competed there. I actually have, oddly enough, I should bring it over. It's this little trophy. It's like this big. Um, my first and only formal powerlifting competition that I did. Um, I uh, I won my division, which I don't even know. I think there was maybe one other guy in it, but I got my my in 2010. I, I did that. So yeah, I keep I keep some of the stuff. I mean, I have some stuff around. It's it's fun to kind of look back on some of these things. You know, like I have all my medals from the CrossFit Games right here. I have all my medals from regionals here. Um, Stuff like that. Yeah, I keep that, but not like random stuff. I see. I keep a lot of stuff for the kids, obviously. Yeah. If you had to pick like the the single most important memento for you, what what would it be? One thing. Oh man. You know, I think it'd be the Spirit of the Games Award sledgehammer. Nice. I have a so it's a sledgehammer. I'll I'll, I'll pull it up on the. I actually have it right there in front of me, but I'll pull it up on the next. You know. Next time we record, it's a like a like a basically like a sledgehammer you get from Home Depot, and it's like a ten pounder, and then it's written on it in like a nice kind of like you know printed on it Spirit of the Games Award, and that was from two thousand nine. I'd probably say that was my best award. Um, you know, I have like the Rogue Legends uh, belt, which is pretty cool. I have some Team USA championship plaques. I have all my medals from the games. Those are all cool. And those are all great. Um, but I think that one, the Spirit of the Games, is probably my favorite, only because it uh, it represented uh, a time in my life where you know I I blacked out on the floor 
and I was able to get back up and finish. And it was just really meaningful for me to look back on and um, see that I was acknowledged by my peers or by the by the organization that I I embodied the spirit of what CrossFit was about for that year. So that that was probably my most favorite uh, award. You know, I think that's really interesting that you brought that up, and we 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 didn't talk about this beforehand. But it's interesting because I feel like that signifies so much of what we always talk about with like effort over everything. Because you could have said, hey, my CrossFit Games medal is the most important thing. Or this USA jersey is the most important thing. Because I, I feel like those are like more symbols of accomplishments. But I do think that it's interesting that like put on the spot, the single thing is like this thing that kind of symbolizes a time where it was the effort that went in, not necessarily like the outcome of that effort which I think yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously we didn't plan this, right? No, um, no, no, no. But that's, uh, that's what I think about when you mention that as opposed to the other things you could have mentioned that are, you know, right behind you, right in the room. Yeah, I mean, I mean, right behind me. I mean, I have like a plaque from um, a trip we did to Kenya where we built schools. That was really meaningful. Obviously, Team USA, you know, being, being honored to be on Team USA for CrossFit was like, you know, a huge deal. And I was able to do it three times. Um, but the, the Spirit of the Games Award, to your point, you know, when I, when I was running this, uh, it was like a, um, it was like a, not 10 miles, 10 K or maybe seven K, but it was just so grueling in 2009 in Aromas. And the feeling I had when I came down this hill and we should actually, we could probably like splice it in here at some point, but the feeling I had when I came down this hill, I was just so numb and so like just broken to like just black out on the floor. And I just remember Dave Castro just comes up to me. He's like, Hey man, like you're like, obviously he wanted to make sure I wasn't dying, but he's like, look, like you have two choices. You can either finish the event and move on with your games or you could just stop. But if you don't finish this event, your games are over. And that was a cool moment for me to kind of gut check and say, Hey, are you going to, are you going to, you know, finish this? Um, or are you not? And so, um, anyways, out of all the things I've probably have in this room right now, um, that was, that's probably my favorite. That's so cool, man. I, I love like just the like, and this is maybe beyond kind of the personal memorabilia side, but just sports memorabilia in general. I think it's so cool, man. Like I wish I had, cause I don't have a collection. I mean, I, I collect sports cards, but I think there's such cool things out there that like, if you're a fan of a sport, fan of a player, like having like a tangible like moment in those events and histories is, is so cool to me. Um, and it's it's a fascinating space too because some of the stuff out there is so valuable because it means like so much to so many people um funny story i know you don't follow baseball so i'll fill you in on this aaron judge who's a new york yankees player not a mets player new york yankees player um has been chasing the single season american league home run record and he was at 60 home runs so the next one would tie the record so it was estimated because you know how if you catch a ball in the stands, you keep it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was estimated that if you caught the ball, you could turn around and sell that for $2 million. So imagine that. Imagine the people that are going to the games now. Because also, you don't know when he's going to hit an, another home run. Oh, yeah. You don't know. You can probably, But that's just him tying it, right? So if he then beat it, that would that's be even more. more. That's like yeah. $5 million. Yeah. So he hit number 61 yesterday. And the crazy thing about it is that a fan, like it, it got hit basically into the bullpen. So a fan almost caught it, but it basically just went into like where the other team sits. 
So he's going to, like, no one got it. He's just going to get the ball back for free. And he, oh. ended, and he ended up giving it to his mom. But it was, it was crazy because a fan got super close, but then no fan ended up getting the ball. It fell into the visitor team's bullpen. So the, obviously they're not going to sell it back to him. So they just gave it to him and he gave it to his mom. But man, talk about like, like it's almost like a lottery ticket, like flying in your direction and being that close and then it being that far. How crazy. Yeah, a couple, I mean, yeah. So now I wonder what's going to happen with the next one. I mean, but yeah, I mean, the, the memorabilia means something because like, for example, like you look at like the 49ers with, you know, legacy of like Jerry Rice and some of these opportunities with, if you had had the football when he did a, you know, great catch or, or, you know, I know that, um, I know in Philadelphia, they have this thing called like the Philly special that happened. I'm, I'm, my friends are like really big into this thing. But like, if you had that ball, there's, it's meaningful to so many people, which obviously drives up the value. And so for me, you know, I don't know if I necessarily have, I probably have some things I think a lot of people would, would think are valuable. But to me, I, I don't think that many people would think that like my Spirit of the Games award, like I don't know if they would pay a bunch of money for it versus like my gold medal from the CrossFit Games or whatever, or, or silver or bronze. But for me, it's, 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 it's more valuable, you know? So. Sure. You can't, you can't put a, a dollar sign on, on some of those things. Um, yeah. But yeah it, it, it's cool. And it was crazy. If, if people want to look up the video, man, I can't imagine being that fan and, you know, essentially $2 million like slipping through your fingers. Crazy. Yeah. And then you're in the moral dilemma. Like, I mean, well, I guess, no, I guess not really moral dilemma, but like, you know, if you catch that, would it be better if you, uh, you know, I don't know, give it to the guy who hit it or sell it or donate it or you just hold on to it but anyways that's a whole nother because then here's the thing let's just say you you got the tie right if you don't sell it quickly when he hits the next one is that going to drop the value of yours mm, uh maybe but probably not and also like you have to remember the person you would be selling this back to so aaron judge is going to be a free agent at the end of the season and he's probably going to sign a contract like anywhere from like 40 to 50 million dollars a year. So it's also not like, you know, I think you'll, I think you'll be all right paying it's $2 million all, it's, for it's, this ball that's worth, you know, priceless to him. It's all relative. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, but yeah, man, I um, I want to tell you the other day, um, I went to my first, I don't know if it was my, I, I think it's my first ever. I might've gone to one Padres game ever, but I, if I'm not mistaken, I might've gone to one Padres game with CrossFit but I think I went, I'm pretty sure I went to my first major league baseball game with Caden. Um, we went and saw the giants play just for our friends were able to get us on the field for um, warmups. It was a really cool experience. And one of the things I found to be interesting is these guys are warming up and they're just, dude, they're, I mean, their accuracy, their, their skill I, level is like, I would just like to point out for anyone that's not watching the video that the hand gesture Jason made while he said warmups I, like, I don't even know if that belongs in baseball. I don't know what that was. It was like you were casting, uh, casting a fishing rod. I don't know what was going on. Dude, so this is my throw versus theirs. <laughs> but I mean, the accuracy that they throw at and the speed they throw at and the, and they, the, the, the lack of like aggressiveness. Like when I throw as like, when I throw like, dude, I'm trying hella hard. These dudes are barely even trying. And that ball is just flying. And it really kind of reminded me of this kind of core to extremity model that obviously Cross has talked about for years where they're so good at just kind of, you know, they start from their core and then boom, that last little snap of the wrist just just really puts on. But anyways, I enjoyed my experience there. It was a really cool way to watch people at the top of their sport and just how good they were. I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. So, yeah.
whole different level than what I'm used to seeing. Yeah, baseball gets a bad rap because, you know, people look at it as something where, you know, you have some players that might not look like incredibly, incredibly athletic. You know, you're not, it's not like an endurance game. Like it's not like soccer where you're running back and forth the whole time. It's not like, like a strength game. It is in many respects, but you know, it's not, it's not as black and white, but when you see what these players can do in real life, like hitting a 95 mile an hour fastball with a round bat is one of the most athletically impressive things you could ever do. And these guys, you know, do that no problem. They when they Dude. have troubles when a when a a pitcher is also combining that with like balls that move and stuff. It's crazy. It's it's really impressive. Dude, the athleticism that you see is 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 incredible. I've never been a fan of. I don't really watch many many sports, but um, you know, Caden's gotten really into baseball. But watching the athleticism purely is is pretty incredible. You're right. You know, you could get a bad rap because it's not like these guys for the most part they don't look jacked. They don't. I mean, they look they look. Like normal guys, like you'd see them on the street, you'd be like, oh, whatever. But man, when you watch them get a baseball in their hand, it's something pretty impressive. So it just goes to show that each sport kind of has its own thing, right? Like CrossFitters kind of look a certain way. I'd even say jujitsu athletes eh, kind of have a look, maybe, um, but uh, ish. Um, but, anyways, hey, we have a uh, uh, fall flex off coming up. And I did a workout that I think if people want to try, they should try. Our fall flex off is an internal competition and we have uh, 32 teams competing. Uh, you know, some of them are prescribed, some of them are a little bit more adjusted, but one of the workouts we have, which is just, just gross. Um, I, I think just a, just a point of clarification. So this is an internal competition that we're running. Yeah. We're not hosting a competition for people to sign up, come from all over this. This is something that we've hosted in the past as a big community builder and a great kind of like feel good event at, at our gyms that unfortunately we haven't been able to have because of COVID for a couple of years now. And we're super excited to bring it back. So just to give a little context of what the fall flex health is. But yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, for, for gym owners out there who have been on the fence about, you know, having an internal competition or internal co community event, I think that the way we're doing it works out really well. Um, we should actually, I, I think we'll be putting out, we can put out more content to the collective on this, but, Essentially, you know, we we have it all structured where we're utilizing, you know, uh, getting a timeline and being structured is super important because it's important for our members to know that if we say it's going to start at nine and end at two, it's going to start at nine and end at two. And so just planning accordingly, I think, from a gym owner perspective, I think is really important. Um, we should talk more about that probably on a on a whole you know podcast alone. Um, but I think for us, one of the events I thought was fun. And I, I, we're testing all the events. So our staff at NC Fit tests the events because I think it's really important because we had a 10-minute cap on this workout. And it's a it's a three-person three rotation. So the first person goes, they finish, they go tag the other person, next person goes, next person goes is two men, one woman, um, or a minimum of one woman per team. That's the goal, is, or is that's the rule, is minimum. And the workout is 100 double enters, 30 thrusters, and then 20 calories on the bike. And the next person goes, next person goes, next person goes. But the goal was sub 10 minutes and um, it took us a little under that. And so we bumped up the, the time domain to 12. But I wanted to just share that here because I thought it was a really nasty, like quick burner. Takes you like two and a half to three minutes, give or, or maybe even four minutes. But it was just something like really good. So to see if you can get the double unders unbroken, see if you can get the thrusters unbroken and see if you can just go crazy on the bike. For me, uh, basically my legs were just blown up 
And so I had to use a lot of upper body on the bike, but give it a shot. It was a nice little kind of finisher that you guys can incorporate in your training. Man, the feeling after like short bursts like that is uh, something I, I haven't been doing a lot of. Obviously, we talked about this last week. I felt that way after jujitsu. Um, but man, that's a feeling. Just that like there's no comfortable like, you know, you can sit, you can stand, you can like try and walk around. You just kind of have to deal with what is probably just two or three minutes when you're done of like pain and discomfort, um, but feels like a lot longer than that. Oh, dude. Well, because the lactic acid, I mean, just the buildup. So like for me, I did the double enters unbroken pretty easily, um, felt good. I go into the thrusters and I actually felt pretty good. I, I banged out 30, you know, pretty, pretty well. I was like, all right, you know, I feel good. And then boom, I get on that bike and, you know, normally the assault bike isn't crazy for me because I'm a little bit of a bigger guy and my legs, you just like, it was interesting the way you could literally feel the blood like rush to your legs and just the, the buildup. And I was trying to flush it out and it just wasn't working. And so I got off that bike, man. I was just, I had to sit down for a little while. Um, but it, it's nice to every now and then really throttle with those high intensity intervals like that. I think sometimes I get in this, you know, groove, like I just finished a little bit ago, you know, 20 minutes here, 30 minutes here, 15 minutes here, but to kind of push it for like those three minute sprints, I think they're really valuable and they should be incorporating your training on a, you know, on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, as per your suggestion, actually, we recently sent out in our weekly newsletter and now it's on the blog. So we'll link the blog in the show notes here, a piece about cooling down after a workout. And one of the tips um, cause we had like three things you should try and do after every workout, or I think it was four, but one of them was going up against the wall and getting your legs up, or you can just do it. You can do it on a box. You can do it on even like a med ball, but ideally like you're getting your butt all the way up to a wall and literally having your legs up in the air. And that would be super helpful after like what you just did. But in general, because the legs are just the biggest muscles you have, that position is a really good way to after a workout, just try and get the blood like back to your heart, your lungs, your head. After it just like pools in your muscles, your legs being the biggest ones. And if you're doing a, a workout that's super leg dominant, even more so. So it's a really good recovery position, obviously not during the workout, after a workout, as you're kind of catching your breath, maybe doing some nasal breathing. And we talk a little bit about that in the email that'll now be on the, on the blog that we'll link here. So definitely check that out. Huh. Yeah. I haven't really thought about it that way. You know, normally when I'm done, I'll get the couch stretch or quad smashing, but I think the leg up position, I think is really good for like hamstring flexibility and, and those type of things. Like if you're really trying to push against it, I haven't thought about it so much from a blood circulation perspective, but you do know, I'm like, if you think about it, when someone passes out in jujitsu, like they get choked out, for example, typically, if I'm not mistaken, they'll lift the legs up. Right. And it'll help. Yeah. 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 It'll, it'll help kind of flood that, that blood back. It's same, same thing. And that's why, I, I mean, this has happened to me. Like sometimes after those like really intense workouts, like I'll feel a little lightheaded and it'll help with that. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I did a drill, man. I did a drill yesterday. I, I probably felt like the way you did when you took your first jujitsu class last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, we were, we were, I was at, I was at the gym and the coach had, uh, me go on the ground and basically there was like seven guys and they just rotated on me one minute at a time and they would just pick a, a good position on me. And I would do it after like 10 minutes. I just, I thought I was just like on the ground, like a fetal position, just feeling like, you know, your first experience too. So it's good to get that out, you know, especially coming up with the rogue invitationals, you know, uh, less than a month away. 
So, you know, for me, I'm, um, I'm really focused on trying to obviously increase my strength, my stamina, um, and also just, you know, want to look Jack. So I might need to, I might need to trim some of the chest hair and, and uh, get a little tan going. <laughs> yeah. If you can't, what's the saying? If you can't tone it, tan it. I, dude, I, you know, that's what Margo is telling me. She's like, dude, you, you know what? The quickest way to look more Jack, get, get more tan. I was like, Oh, I hadn't thought about it like that. You're not going to catch me spray tanning or any of that kind of stuff. But I might go out, go walk around or something. It's, it's still sunny here in California. <laughs> that's funny. Um, Anything else you had on your mind? There, there were a couple of things I'm, I've been thinking about. Um, no, I mean, I just think, I think that, uh, you know, I did a workout the other day and I think the, the, the hundred dubs, 30 thrusters, 20 cal bike, I think is a good one. I also did another one. If you have a concept to bike, if you do, if you don't, this is not really relevant to you. Um, maybe you could use a rower, but it's just not the same. The C2 bike versus the assault bike is just a totally different stimulus. So on the assault bike, I find it to be, much more like aerobically, um, to me, aerobically stimulating. I mean, I'm just gassed. And yes, leg stamina becomes an issue, upper body stamina becomes an issue, but for the most part, I'm just breathing heavy on an assault bike. Whereas on a C2 bike, I don't really get the same like deep breath. I don't really feel that like, uh, that, that anxiousness you'll get from a, a assault bike, but it'll start to really burn my legs. And, and so if you don't have a C2 bike, um, you know, maybe just go get a regular road bike or go on a bike. And I like to hit this time domain of about 20 minutes at like a pretty high intensity. So it's not slow, long distance. It's not sprints, but it's like right in the middle. And the EMOM I did that I found to be really helpful. If you have this bike is one minute, 500 meter, uh, bike, the next minute, 20 plate ground overhead with a 55 pound plate. So plate ground overhead is a really useful tool because it moves this large load or moderate load a long distance. You're taking the plate all the way from the ground, all the way over your head. And I find it to be really effective. So what you're going to do is 20 minutes, 500 meters on the bike, the first minute. If you finish it in 45 seconds, rest. Then the next minute, you're going to go for 20 plate ground overhead, and you'll do that for 20 minutes. I found it to be really, really challenging, like the last six minutes. I think it's worth trying. So I wanted to throw that out to the audience or the crew to see what you guys think. Let me know how you guys like it. Yeah, it's a brutal time domain, <clears throat> 20 minutes, especially if you're not like just doing the, the monostructural cardio the whole time. Um, you know, it's kind of that sweet spot where it's not like long, long enough that you have to go super easy, but it's like definitely not short enough that it, you kind of get through it quickly. It's just a grind. I mean, similar with death row, you know, that, that 20 minute timeline is, is, is pretty brutal. Well, and the 55 pound plate. So normally when I do plate ground overhead, I'll take a 45 pound plate. But bumping up to 55 just is a little bit, uh, a significantly different experience. Um, for me, my hamstrings got pretty darn sore after that one. And I think it was just that hinge position. So, you know, something to be aware of when you're doing your workouts is, you know, asking yourself when you're done, you know, where am I sore at? And it's not always an indicator, but it's a indicator of like, okay, you know, did I do it right? Did I maybe, you know, get a little off, off point? So for example, if my low back was really, really tight or sore, perhaps I was rounding too much in that position. It's not the end of the world. It's just something to be aware of. But if your hamstrings are sore or potentially your shoulders or whatnot, just having awareness on, on what is sore, it's not, it's not the end all be all. It just tells you some information and some data that maybe A, there's a deficiency in those specific muscle groups. That's why it burned out so much. Or B, maybe your position was off. That's, that's a deep rabbit hole you can go down from being sore. I'm just bringing that up as a, as a factor to think about.
For sure. You know, on, on the nutrition front, and I think for next week, we'll, we'll put the stickers out um, again on, on social and get some fresh, fresh bout of questions because I love answering questions. But one thing that I've been thinking a lot about, and I think it's, it's useful to share because I wish I had known these things, you know, kind of prior in, in my kind of like fitness nutrition journey. I, I've been sharing a lot on here that like, you know, my goal over kind of throughout this whole year but really kind of became like a very, very concrete goal for me when like we found out that we were going to have our first kid. And it just kind of like motivated me that to, to this, like, like I've always, I've always been athletic. I've always been fit, but I've never like, like really looked the way that like I've wanted to look. And I know that there's like, there's like a little bit of like taboo about like talking about aesthetics, like it's vain, whatever, you know, F that. I think that a lot of people, <laughs> feel this way. And like, you know, there's kind of this like, eh, you don't want to mention it too much, but like, I've always wanted to look a certain way. And I feel like I've always kind of fallen not to my expectations. And it's funny because, and I tell this story, I don't know if I've told it on the podcast, but you know, do you remember that? Like when I first came on to NC fit at one point, I was doing a workout. I did a workout with Emmanuel. Emmanuel looks like a specimen, like oh. out of like, at like, the guy is like carved out of stone. You couldn't make it up this guy's like aesthetic. No, he's like an action figure. Yeah, literally, literally, like an action figure. But we did a workout together and you were like, oh, who won the workout? And Emmanuel's super fit, not downplaying Emmanuel at all. It just happened to be a workout that was in my wheelhouse and I beat him in the workout. And your face, because also your facial expressions, you can't hide a thing, like your face of just absolute shock like absolute disbelief that I beat him in a workout was like borderline insulting. And I was like, <laughs> do, I really, do I really look that not fit, you know? And I think in a, at a separate instance, you referred to me as undercover fit. But, um, you know, <laughs> just to say- You're not, that, undercover. Like, You're not undercover anymore. You're not undercover no, anymore. No, 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 no. But I, I mean, I think I've, I've always, and this was like a running joke back at the gym where, where we started doing fitness. Because there were a couple of us that like, you know, we would kind of take pride in being like, no show, all go, you know, like you kind of surprise people that like, you know, they look at you and they're like, yeah, you know, guys probably pretty fit, but three, two, one, go. And they're like, oh, like guys like super fit, you know? Um, but this year, you know, just kind of where I am with fitness, like performance and like the times also just because I've been doing that for so long, kind of took a backseat to like, you know, let me really focus my training to like, you know, training and nutrition to like really like change the composition of my body and, and try and look like a very, very specific way. And in that journey, like I've been counting macros pretty much every day, especially since June when we came back from Europe. And what I wanted to share with people that I think is, is super valuable is, you know, things that you might think are healthy. And I think are healthy on the face of it, things like dried fruit, nuts, seeds, like good whole foods, I think are a very slippery slope for people that might be trying to lose weight and are kind of struggling to do so. And I'm not saying that everyone has to go out and count calories tomorrow, count macros. I think that that's, it's definitely a very useful tool, but I get that some people have zero interest in like putting everything they eat on a scale before they eat it. But the one thing that I've realized, man, is that like you don't realize how calorie dense some foods are that before oh, you're like- Like you're macadamia like, nuts? Dude, like nuts and dried fruit. I, I think those are the easiest ones because you could easily be like, yeah, you know, I'm having some dried mango and like, you know, a couple handful of pistachios, like healthy snack on the face of it. But 
it's a really easy way, especially if you're someone that snacks a lot all day and is snacking on those things because you don't want to snack on something unhealthy to really go over your calories and overconsume in a way that maybe you aren't realizing you're overconsuming. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a really good point. You know, I think about it a lot like um, with like uh, I love trail mix. Like I'm a trail mix guy, like and especially if it comes with like a few little M&Ms in there every oh, now and dude. then, you know, I'll, I'll go for it. Trail mix will kill you. It'll kill you. Dude, dude like I, I, I get it. I mean, and uh, you know what? I'm also a really big, I'm really, I'm a big cereal guy and I, I love cereal and I like trail mix. And so I have to be aware of those things because, you know, like, I mean, even last night, you know, I'm still trying to lean out more for the Rogue Invitational. And last night it was probably eight o'clock. I had a small little bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios and, uh, <laughs> I, I like, I'll be, I'm a sucker for it. I don't know what to say. Um, but anyways, back to your point, you know, I remember when I was counting macros for a while, um, when I was doing zone, one of the things I found was really interesting is dude, when you're trying to get your fat intake. And I think if I was not mistaken, when I was doing zone, I multiplied my fat by three or something like that. It was a, it was a factor. I added more fat in my diet compared to typical zone ratios. And when you like one macadamia nut was equivalent to like, I mean, an absurd yeah, amount. It's of, crazy. Dude, it is crazy. The caloric density and, and you know, avocados, uh, macadamia nuts, you know, it, but I'm also, I'm a sucker for peanut butter and honey too. So you have to be aware of those type of things. Like my go-to before workout, I mean, well, speaking of which, like look at a perfect bar. Look how dense those things are. I mean, they have 350 calories per bar. They're pretty dense. Um, but, uh, I'm a sucker for peanut butter and honey before I work out. And I just have to be aware of how much of that peanut butter I'm actually consuming. And, but I think that's easier than what you're saying. I think what you're saying is even harder where you just have like these handfuls. You don't think it's a big deal, but all of a sudden you're consuming, you know, a thousand calories in one sitting. Yeah. And I think that, uh, another kind of misconception around counting your macros and counting food is that, you know, it's supposed to be this excuse to like throw food quality out the window and play like macro Tetris with like, for lack of a better word, junk food, you know, like if it fits your macros, you can have whatever, you can have donuts, you can have this. But what you have to understand is what makes these foods not healthy is the fact that they're so calorie dense and so not satiating that if you're having Pop-Tarts for breakfast, you're going to oh, be yeah. hungry again in, in an hour and a half. Yeah, my honey nut Cheerios did not do me any favors last night. That did not. That did not satisfy. I mean, it was fine. It was fine. It was. It wasn't a big bowl. But yeah, you're right. Like the pop tarts, hundred percent. Or yeah, just anything. Anything that is, you know, a lot of the junk out there. That's you know, especially breakfast food. You're setting yourself up for for failure because you're having something that is going to be great in in the moment, but you're not going to feel so hot, you know, pretty soon thereafter. Yeah. I mean, typically, so just uh, from a nutrition standpoint, while we're on the subject, um, I generally fast for majority of the morning. Like I haven't had anything except for a cup of coffee this morning. It's nine o'clock here on the West Coast. Um, and I probably won't eat for another two hours. Um, but my children in the morning before they go to school, Ashley does a really good job of always making them something. And traditionally, what we're looking at is um, a little bit, they, they call them Persian eggs, but I think they could be like name any culture and say eggs after it. It's, it's basically uh, tomato, onion, and uh, tomato, 
onions like sauteed with eggs and a little bit of butter. And the reason why I think that's been a successful for the kids is that the butter gives a little bit of this fat, you a little bit of protein, get a little bit of carbohydrate from the tomato and the onion. And that's basically what the kids eat almost every day, either that or some spinach or something before they go to school. Um, I think that's a nice way to kind of kickstart versus, you know, maybe just having a smoothie or something quick. Uh, it makes them a little bit more, a little bit fuller, a little bit longer and gives them good energy um, to start the day. Yeah, I mean, another thing that is really important to keep in mind is how important like having balanced meal is. Um, so some people refer to it as like never having a naked carb uh, because it, it helps keep your blood sugar balanced, which is super helpful because that's how you don't get like like spikes and drops and intense cravings. So having, you know, a combination of fat, protein and carbs every single meal, super important. And I remember back when you were wearing a CGM. The CGM, baby. I got to get that back on. If you were to wear a continuous glucose monitor and kind of interesting side note. So Ariel, my wife, was just wearing a CGM for two weeks because she was um, at the point where you have to like test for gestational diabetes in her pregnancy which you can do via the way it's conventionally done, which is they give you like a super sugary drink that you have fasted and test your blood sugar after, and then you either pass or fail. But the other way you can do it, because the uh, this is my understanding from, from what she's been reading, is that if you don't usually eat a lot of sugar, which she doesn't, sometimes the conventional glucose drinks test can give you a false positive mm. because you're not used to having something that sweet. So you'll have it and it'll spike a lot more than it does for most people. And if you're working with a conventional kind of doctor that's taking you through pregnancy, they'll say, hey, this is weird. You have gestational diabetes and it becomes a pain in the butt. So she took the alternative of wearing a CGM for two weeks and then sharing the information from the CGM with her doctor. But it was interesting because since she was tracking this for the full two weeks, like we saw exactly that, we went out to eat a couple times and that didn't spike her blood sugar as much as one day where she just happened to, you know, open a bag of pretzels and have just pretzels. Yeah. Uh, and every body's different. We talked about this before, like the sure, CGM. Sure. I, it, it's really interesting though, um, those results, but yeah, you're right. I think bridging the gap, right? What'd you call it? An empty carb? No, a naked carb? Naked carb. Yeah. No naked I've carbs. Never, I've never heard of it referred that way. So yeah, a naked carb, you know, that's, you know, that's one of the struggles too. Like when you're having cereal, for example, I mean, if you could have it with a, you know, some type of whole milk, at least you'll be getting a little bit of fat and a little bit of carbohydrate there. Um, a little bit of fat, at least to kind of slow down that carbohydrate consumption of just having the carbohydrate uh, from the cereal, right? If you're a sucker for cereal like me, but yeah, being aware of that, I think definitely helps. You don't have to go off and go buy a CGM, but I might start wearing one again. It just, it, it definitely is a, um, it's a lot of work to wear a CGM. You know, I wore it for 40 days when we were doing the EOE challenge. It's just, it's just a lot. It is. It's a lot. Yeah. 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 She wore it just literally for like the two weeks that was required to get like the necessary data to like, okay, gestational diabetes or not. Um, Cause it is a lot to have at all times. It's almost like a, a too much information and it makes you like, well, should I eat this? Should I eat that? Like it made it do this. Like you're, you're looking at it all the time. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did want to talk about, so, you know, obviously we could riff on all different subjects here, but one of the things I found was interesting and you and I, we did a webinar yesterday. Um, and the, the webinar series was called coach to CEO. And I think that, you know, for any gym owner listening, 
I think that it was it was it was valuable content. I think that one of the things that I want to get better about, and this is just like a personal note, is I want to be able to provide gym owners more concrete, specific examples of things. The struggle is that every gym owner is on a different level, is at a different phases. So when we give specific numbers, which we did at the webinar, I thought we gave you know specific numbers on revenue goals and things like that, but I always want to give more like dialed in to a specific gym owner. The problem is some gym owners are just starting. Some have been in the game for 10 years. Some have five employees, some have no employees. And so when you give these general themes, which I think what we were giving yesterday, I found it to be really helpful. The one piece that I thought Dan, who's the CEO of Push Press said, and I, I, I wanted to bring this up here, and I actually did a uh, cough with Kleep on this, is the idea of, of an org chart. And I had never looked at it through the lens that he shared it. And so I wanted to kind of talk more about it right now because that was all new to you too, right? Have you, you've never heard of, I've never heard it described that way before. Have you? No, I mean, no, no. So the way he described it was, he said, look, every company has an org chart. NC Fit has an org chart. You name the company, they have an org chart. And in the beginning, when you open up your business, you're gonna put your name on every role for the most part. So when I opened up uh, originally CrossFit Santa Clara in 2008, my name was on janitor, sales, marketing, uh, coaching, you name it. My name was under that on an org chart. And he brought up a really good point that over time, your goal should be to pull your name from each, from not being on every single role and just be on the roles that you're driving the best value for the business and also the things you want to do. And I, I just, I don't know, it just kind of hit home really well for me. And I actually did, like I said, a cop for clip on this because it's so relevant to our industry that so many times these owners are doing so many things. And if they could set it up on an org structure in terms of that, then slowly over time, they could start kind of like checking off their list, going from, hey, I'm doing everything to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, have a coach, you know, clean the gym once a week. Okay, take that off my list or, or whatever. Uh, make sure you check out the Kafa Kalipa. I think it'll be releasing here pretty soon on that. But I just wanted to kind of start the conversation with you, Gabe, because I, I found that to be particularly interesting. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's an example or kind of the overarching theme for me that I think is beneficial, not just for gym owners, but for anyone, or gym owners specifically first, and then I'll get to the for everyone piece is, Sometimes like gym owners think that they don't have to do the things that big professional businesses do until they're big professional businesses. Like they're almost like, well, I mean, if it's just me, what's the point of an org chart? Like it seems silly for me to have this whole chart with all these different jobs, marketing, janitor, coach, head coach, assistant coach, and put Jason, 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 Jason. Like what's the point? Right. Like, the point is that you're taking the step now to have a tool that you should have when your business reaches the point that you want it to get to five, 10 years from now. And because you have that step taken care of now, you can literally start plugging in the names and making the changes within a system, not kind of building the plane as you fly it. And then, okay, now that I have six, seven employees, now let me figure out an org chart and what everyone does and what everyone's responsible for. It's just being proactive instead of being reactive and the, the, the quote that this makes me think of, and I, I wish I can give credit to where I heard this, but it's this idea that, that I really like to think about in all respects, like being a husband, being, uh, uh, you know, in my career, being an athlete, but it's this idea of like, be, do, have, like, 
first you have to identify who it is that you want to be. So if I want to be, you know, chief marketing officer at NC Fit, that's who I want to be. So I need to start doing the things that that person would do. Now, I, I don't have to wait to be in that position to start doing those things. I should start acting like someone in that position now, because only if you figure out who you want to be and do the things that that person does, then you'll have the title, you'll have the salary that comes with that, you'll have the success, the business, so on and so forth. And I think that sometimes people get it in reverse in that, you know, they almost want to, they, they're so focused on having the things that that thing is, that they're like waiting to get to that level before they start doing the things. Like you have yeah, to do what, the things first. It's be, what is it? Say it again. Be, do, have. You have to figure out like, what is it that you want to be? I want to be a chief marketing officer. I want to be a CrossFit Games athlete. I want to be a six-figure gym owner. Okay, great. Now you have to do the things that that person does. Even if yep. you don't have that, even if you're not that person yet, like do the things now, set up, uh, you know, set up the org structure, start training six times a week, you know, start doing all those things. And then eventually you'll have the things that you want that that person has the salary, the success, the medal, whatever it is. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. I mean, I, I mean, dude, there, there's, there's a lot of ways you could articulate that, but I haven't heard it that way. Uh, be, do, have. Um, it, a lot of people would say like, you know, uh, and I've been in this situation countless times where people want a different title or a different role. And they think that like, once they get that role, well, I mean, I, I brought this up on the podcast years ago where, you know, my, one of my early mentors in the, in the fitness space, I was working at a conventional gym and, uh, you know, I remember I walked downstairs and like, Joe, I was like, I want to own a gym someday, or I want to be an owner someday. And his reaction to me was like, dude, if you want to be an owner, act like an owner. And it was just like, it's at the, the time. Thing. Yeah, it's, it's the, same, the exact yeah. same thing, right? And yeah. that was like, I mean, dude, I think at that point, I was probably, man, I think I was 18 when I said that to him. And I had no idea what I'm, at the time, like, I think I knew what I wanted. But uh, looking back on it, I was so naive to understanding what it meant to to own a business. But um, anyways, be, do, have. I like that. I like that analogy. And I think from, a, from an org chart perspective, if you're a gym owner, it's just something to think about, right? Like just lay it out. Um, because like for us, right, we have, you know, CEO, different roles underneath that. We have different locations underneath those locations. You might have a site manager underneath that. You might have coaches underneath that. You might have front desk underneath that. You might have something else. It doesn't have to be that complex. You could just start off with your single site, your location. What do you need to be to be successful? We got to have someone potentially to, you know, onboard new clients. Okay, cool. You have to have some type of coach development platform. If you're not utilizing the NC Fit Collective, obviously you need to be utilizing our session plans and programming because it'll help you within your organization. It'll take one thing off your plate, which is the programming side. So if on your org chart, you have a programming side, well, you can take that off your plate instantly with us, or you can you know, eventually outsource it to somebody else. So just things to think about. Well, I mean... I don't want to dwell on something that's obviously a plug for a service that we have, but I think that that's <laughs> it's, it's, no, but it's such a good point, right? Because if you have this org chart and Jason is under all these different names, or maybe you have a coach. So it's like your coach and Jason is kind of split all, all these different names. And you know that, Hey, Jason's here as head programmer of the organization, but he's also as marketer salesperson and head coach, like, could he better perform in the role of head coach and marketer and salesperson 
if you take one hat off of what Jason is doing. Like, and if you have this written down, like, I feel like it becomes so black and white. Like, of course, why would he also be programmer for this organization where this is something I can so easily hand off to someone that has a team of people that is writing the workouts, testing the workouts, creating session plans, so on, and all, all the things that we do at the collective. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's sometimes tough for us, right? Because we're totally pitching our own product, but it's it's it is a fact. Like, if you're a gym owner, that is a thing you could outsource pretty easily. And you know, I know we're making, uh, we have a lot of strides, we have a lot of goals here at NC Fit to really provide tools and resources for gym owners to help rise the tides more. So. Stay tuned on that. If you're not on Gabe's bi-weekly uh, uh, gym owner newsletter, definitely check the podcast show notes. I think there's a lot of free value in there that you could get. Um, we also put out a once a week EOE weekly, which is just like um, weekly tips. You know, really the inspiration for that, and I have no problem talking about this, is, you know, Gary Vee, where it's just like this idea of like give, 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 give. And then every now and then, maybe there's a simple ask, but for the most part, we're just trying to give as much as we can because ultimately I want to see the industry do better. And I think that it it helps other people. And eventually when they're looking to outsource their programming, they might consider us because we've been giving for so long. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I th it, it's really simple in that everything that I think we're putting out now, whether it's for gym owners or athletes, like our North Star is to help people, whether it's, you know, athletes with their fitness and health goals or gym owners with building a better business. Like that, that, that's it. And sure, some things are free and some things have a price attached to them because they're that valuable. But you know, we're not out here peddling snake oil. Like if I were to tomorrow have a gym gifted me, for example, like I would use the collective. Like it's a no-brainer. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, but I know my community and I'm gonna program myself. Like I know that if I were a gym dropped on my on my lap tomorrow. I need to make sure that I am selling memberships, marketing for that gym, and I'm not going to be spending five to six hours a week trying to figure out the 2159 my members have to do. I'm going to, like, without a doubt, spend $169 a month to get access to these programs and session plans. So we, we believe in this stuff. And I think that that's really important for people to realize. And that's why I have no problem spending 10 minutes on the podcast, like pitching this thing, because I hope that a gym owner that's been considering using us you know, checks out the website and ends up giving us a try because I think it's ultimately going to help. them. Yeah, I, I think I know you're right, too. And just stay tuned for more stuff like that. Um, it's something that I, I deeply care about. I know Gabe does and the entire team for gym owners and for athletes. Um, dude, well, I'm a I'm in a pleasantly optimistic mood. I uh, I got in my you know little little bit of pure conditioning this morning and I will be getting in more strength work later on. It's not a typical day for me. I, I, I'm actually, I'm coaching tonight and I have a lot of meetings throughout the day. So I'm segmenting my training. So that's what I'm doing today and uh, back on regularly scheduled programming starting tomorrow. Nice. Cool, man. Um, well, brother, any, uh, any final words? Are the Mets still doing okay? So it's interesting because this podcast is always going to come out a week after we record, at least a week after we record. So as of now, as of when we're recording, yesterday was a really good day. They don't play today. That's why the Mets hat isn't on because it's charging. We only use the Mets hat juju when they have a game. So that's why the Mets hat isn't on. But right now they're a game ahead of the Braves for the division with six games to play. And then by the time this comes out, we'll actually know who ended up winning the division. So 
So far, so good, but there's work to be done. Can't jinx it. Oh. All right. Well, hey, I'm glad that hat is charging. And uh, thanks for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As per usual, simple ask. If you get value for these, the coffee clipas, or we're going to have more guests on the future. I promise. We, uh, we're setting up a nice space at our Campbell Gym to actually be able to do some of these more podcasts in person. Um, just tell a friend. Let someone know. Hey, these guys, they put out good content. I enjoy it. That's it. Simple ask. Hope you guys have a great day. Keep crushing it. We'll see you guys again next week. Let's go.